Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, so we got some interesting conversations that's been going on and around the Super Bowl and also here in Tampa on quarterbacks and quarterback play, which I'd like to get into. And first and foremost... Steve, I had a chance to talk to Bruce Arians. Now, you know, he's going to have his event. He has one coming up at the Hard Rock Cafe. And, uh, you know, this is the one to uh, for the for the Arians Family Foundation. You know, they, they help people um, help with foster kids and, and, and different things, uh, kids that have been, you know, victims of abuse and stuff. They do a great job with that. And, and they've had a golf tournament. They said they'll still probably play – golf sometime in the spring, but they're going to do this and there's some VIP tickets uh, available. Uh, you get a lot of things with that and, um, we'll tell you how to, you know, how to navigate that and where to go in just a minute. But th- that was the reason why I had a, a chance to talk to him and he was kind of making the, the media tour. But, uh, more importantly, we got on the subject of quarterbacks and I'll take it in the order I wrote it because, you know, Bruce has always been one to study quarterbacks. I mean, he, you know, wrote the quarterback whisper. We know the quarterbacks that he has coached in the past. It's a pretty star-studded list, and so, you know, that's that's sort of his domain. And as the assistant to Jason Light, uh, the senior assistant, this has kind of been what he's done each draft, even going back as far as when he was the head coach. But so he's doing work on people, and I thought it was interesting because this is as deep a draft he told me of quarterbacks that he's ever seen. I mean, he said, I've been in this league a long time. I've never seen this many good guys, you know, guys that can play, right? Guys that have a chance to really, you know, play in this league and be uh, and be good. Uh, he said, it's his, it, it, you know, really is a deep draft. And one of those players, and we don't know where he's going to go. I think the scouting combine will have a lot to do with that with the medicals. But we know him well from Tampa Bay Tech, of course, Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr., if there's one guy that's a Bruce Arians guy, it's this dude. Because <laughs> he says he can absolutely drop back and zing it, which is what I like to do is throw the ball down the field. Uh, loves his accuracy, everything like that. But there's no really way of knowing exactly you know, where Penix is going to go because he's, he's suffered through so many different injuries. He had, you know, he's tore his ACL in 2018 and 2020. He's had shoulder injuries and 19 and 21 we saw him get hurt in the national championship game as well and he kind of stuck it out with a bad ankle but they're going to go up there to Indianapolis here in a couple weeks and he's going to be you know poked and prodded and I assure you that there will be stories that will be written not necessarily by me but maybe by me of you know doctors leaking information or teams more specifically leaking information that oh Michael Penix you know junior he's he would be great, but those medicals, man, whew, you better watch that because, you know, those knees aren't good. That shoulder's not good. And and in some cases it might be true, but in more than likely it will be from teams putting out word like that to hope that Penix falls in the draft to where they're going, where they're picking, and that they can kind of like nick him up a little bit and get him to fall. 
I don't know what will happen as far as the Bucks go. I mean, they're picking pretty late in the draft as it is. I don't necessarily see them with their needs going for a quarterback in the first round, but you don't know because, again, as I said, one of the deepest quarterback drafts that there has been. Well, um, if the guy you really like falls. You got to take him. You know, whether you it's Penix or say you like, you know, name your quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. in a quarterback-rich draft, you don't know which ones could fall. Right. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks guys like, whether it's, you know, Bo Nix or mm-hmm. J.J. McCarthy. Uh, I mean, you know, we're pretty sure Caleb Williams and Drake May are going really high. Right. But you've got a lot of other quarterbacks in this draft. So yeah, the kid from Tulane is good. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot. You're right. There is a deep quarterback draft. And and why would you wait for another draft when it's not as deep to, to address mm-hmm. the position, right? Yeah, particularly if a guy you think should be a top 15 pick, let's say, and you're sitting yeah. at what, 25, 20, whatever they're picking. It's, right, you know, mid twenties, and he's still there. Mm-hmm. You have to think about it at that point. Yeah, for that position, and, I, and it doesn't matter to me whether you have Baker Mayfield, you don't have Baker Mayfield. It, that that's inconsequential because you're always looking for the next dude, and you need him on the roster, and you're always trying to upgrade that position. I would, I've said this before. I mean, we're looking at Mister Irrelevant, you know, that just took the San Francisco Forty ers to the Super Bowl. He lost. But that guy, they had already taken and spent three number ones on Trey Lance. They had Jimmy Garoppolo for a while. Uh, you know, they took a flyer on a guy and kind of just stashed him on the on the roster, and he turned out to be their best quarterback and may be their quarterback for the, you know the foreseeable future. So, you know, to me, the position is so you know so uh, important that I don't know why out of seven picks, you know, seven rounds, you wouldn't take one every year and hope that maybe you get a Brock Purdy. There's not too many Tom Brady's in the sixth round, but you never know. I mean, Russell Wilson went in the third or fourth. I mean, um, you know, so guy, it does happen. Um, but but Penix could go anywhere. I think. I mean, I have seen him in some mocks as high as one, but most of them now are dropping him between two and four. And I, I think all that's medical. I don't necessarily think that it's. Although he wasn't very good in the national championship, he did get nicked up a little bit too. And you got to credit Michigan's defense, which is really really good. Um, but, you know, even what he's been through physically, like I asked Bruce about this, is it, what is it, you know, I don't know. If you tore one ACL, you come back from that, but then you tear it again. Um, I don't know many, I don't know if everybody is mentally tough enough to, you know, to endure that rehab twice. Then you have the shoulder injuries twice. He said, you know what, I think that says everything about the kid, how tough he is uh, to overcome all that. And he said, and then to play like he did last year, he goes, now, you know, the medical experts, when you get to the combine, they're going to tug and pull and do all that stuff, and you're going to get the medical grade. But as far as the football grade, he says, I love him because he does things that I love to do. He puts it up the field. Mm-hmm. And he says he's accurate on throws up the field as anyone I've seen in 15 years. Now that's saying something. And just to fight through that last game after he had a bad ankle tore up, you know, what he did to Texas uh, when they, you know, they beat him 37-31 in, in the Sugar Bowl, he said was unbelievable. Um, so, you know, this, this is somebody that obviously from here, from, uh, you know, Tampa Bay tech and would be wildly popular choice. I would think great story. Anyway, a guy coming home from Dade city, uh, to the Buccaneers, but, uh, and, and there's a lot of Michael Penix, you know, teams out there. I would imagine that like him, it's just a question of how much do you like him? Where do you like him enough to take him in the first round? Do you like him enough to trade up in the second round? Where do you think he's going to be slotted? Are you accurate about that? Um, you know, and, and all of that will matter. 
he's a good kid. We know that. And he's a winner. Uh, he, he's won at a very high level and uh, led his team. And in those games against Oregon, he was crazy, crazy accurate. Um, and so, you know, this is uh, not that you advertise every guy you like, but this is just an example of what the Bucks could do in, in the draft. And I, and I think they'd be remiss if they didn't. Look, Kyle Trask is in, in his final year under contract. And, you know, I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but they were telling offensive line candidates, you know, that, well, and not knowing what Baker's future is for sure, no one can be sure, obviously, because it's his choice as a free agent. But they were saying, yeah, we really like uh, Kyle Trask. In fact, you could even say that, you know, Baker's 1A and Kyle is 1B. Well, do they have, they may have to say that just because that might be their quarterback, you know, but he, it's in his final season. You know, he, he, this is the last year for him. He will become a free agent. So even if, if somehow Baker Mayfield wasn't here and you'd said, you know what, we're going with Trask, we're going to find out what this guy's got, you know, you know, all chips to the middle of the table on Kyle Trask, he's still not signed after this year. You have to address the position. Uh, yeah, you have John Wolford, and, and, you know, that might help a little bit just in, in terms of depth. But, uh, you know, there's really not that starting guy, which is why it's so important for them to get Mayfield back. And, you know, I, I talked to Bruce about about Mayfield, and, you know, he said that uh, they, they know he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, but he, he, he kind of feels the way I do. He says, look, he loves it here. And the job he did, you know, with with Todd and a new coordinator and new play caller and, you know, all the, all the ups and downs, um, you know, to see everything kind of unfold that way, you know, and put it together, it, it, it was pretty impressive. And, you know, it just seems like the money will have, will be part of it, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer that the Bucks have made that decision because I think... And when I say that, I mean, there's no way they can be sure of it unless they, they franchise him, and, and, you know, we won't know for a while if they're going to use that tag on him or Antoine Winfield Jr. or somebody else. But for low, low, um, for, for Cohen to come in here and, and leave his job at Kentucky, uh, he's not here, as he said, by accident. You know, he's here because he coached Baker Mayfield. And for him to come here, there has to be sort of a – acknowledgement that no we're we're give me a percentage 85 90 percent sure one way or the other you could say 100 if you're willing to franchise him but there has to be some acknowledgement that we're he's going to stay here we're going to make it possible we kind of know what it's going to take you know financially um and i think it's going to take every bit of 35 million dollars a year and and that sounds like a lot and it is a ton of money especially when he was making four last year but but really um, because the salary cap keeps going up, when you see the contracts of guys like Trevor Lawrence and uh, Tua Tungavaloa and these guys that will be coming up for free agency, $35 million will look like a below, you know, mid-tier level. I mean, the guys are going to be signing Dak Prescott and them for $60, $65 million uh, because the salary cap keeps going up and, and the revenues are so good. So, you know, we've got to have to kind of get away from the sticker shock. Um, but I think they know, you know, that they're going to be able to, to make him uh, happy, uh, and and he is happy here in Tampa, and then it'll be, you know, kind of a a race to try to see if you can then get Mike Evans. You know, can you fit him under the cap? And I I think that that's the next piece, and 
you know, Bruce has no doubt. He says, you know, Evans has shown no signs of slowing down. Um, we know what he did last year. And, uh, you know, again, he thinks that Mike wants to stay here. Um, but he says, you know, he, he, he says, I don't think there's going to be any doubt that he'll, he'll continue to play well, especially if we're fortunate to keep him, uh, him and Baker together because they've got such a good rapport already. And he goes, I, I don't see that there's any downside to Mike at all and that he might even get better. Uh, which is a scary, a scary thing. So, um, you know, good, good discussion. Check it out on Tampa Bay dot com, Tampa Bay Times. Uh, Bruce Arians talking about quarterbacks again. His Arians Family Foundation are getting ready to celebrate their tenth anniversary. Uh, there's going to be an exclusive live concert uh, featuring uh, Jason Aldean, March twenty third. That's at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa. There's a limited number of tickets uh, on sale and the VIP sponsorship packages as well. And you can go to ariansfamilyfoundation.com. Uh, you know, they, all, the, all these proceeds go to uh, CASA, which is the court-appointed uh, special advocates, and uh, the Florida, Florida Guardian ad litem and all of that. Um, so it's a, it's a really, really worthwhile event and uh, big-time entertainment there as well. And then his, his annual golf tournament they'll probably do uh, a little bit later on uh, in the spring once they find out what the player's schedule is. So... Interesting. I'd be okay. You know, I, I, if I'm a Bucks fan and not just because of the local ties, but I think it'd be a, a, a probably a, you know, a good situation um, regardless of who the young quarterback is. If you had a Baker Mayfield, Steve, for three years and you know what Baker has been through and you know what he brings right to that, to that locker room and the leadership and the moxie, that would be a good guy to follow uh, as a young guy who can sit behind him for what, two, maybe three years you know, depending on where you draft them. Obviously, if you take him in the first round, he's probably going to force his way in there sooner. Um, but that would be a, a tremendous uh, sort of combination. Well, you'd hope he'd for, force his way in there sooner. I mean, that's that's ultimately, if you're drafting a young quarterback and you have a veteran, whether it's Alex Smith in Kansas City, yeah, you know, you, go, you name it, Baker Mayfield here in Tampa, if that's the case, mm-hmm. you hope that that first round pick is forcing their way onto the field. Sure, you know, sure. But if not, You've got time. And, and I mean, that's, to steal a phrase from Buccaneers coaches, that's a champagne problem. Mm-hmm. If you've got a veteran quarterback that got you to the playoffs last year, won a division title, and you think can be better in year two, and mm-hmm. then you've got a rookie quarterback that's pushing for playing time to push them out of the way, that's a champagne problem. That's a good problem to have. You know, and, and you know who's done it better than anybody is, is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, mm-hmm. they had Brett Favre. They drafted Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how Rodgers got as low as he did. But they drafted Aaron Rodgers, and he sat behind Brett Favre for all those years. And then when Aaron got his turn, he was ready. And then Aaron Rodgers had it for like 15 years. And then they had Jordan Love on the bench for three years, and they turned it over to him. And look what Jordan Love has, has become this past year. So you can't always be that successful with your, your choices. But uh, in terms of like that used to be the old way, right, where guys would sit and learn and um, not be pressed to play right away. Um, but you're right. If you draft a guy, you want him to force his way in there. I just think, you know, Baker is a, uh, is a good teammate. He's somebody that, you know, some quarterbacks mm-hmm. I think are that interested in teaching the guy how to take his job. Uh, but I think you could learn a lot from him. And, and so, yeah, it might be, it might be a good, uh, a good situation. Either way, I think they have to take a quarterback somewhere in this store. They don't have to, but I think they will definitely consider it heavily be, just because Trask is in his final year. So, you know, you 
You got John Wolford on a contract. You have Trask on a contract, and nobody else. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't think if you're not taking a quarterback in the first or second round, mm-hmm. like, are you drafting a, a for a backup quarterback for a year or two from now? Like, isn't Probably that kind not. of what they did with Kyle Trask? I, I don't, and I don't know if I they mean, really they took Kyle in the second round. I think the it was the last was, pick of the second round. Play. It was almost a third round pick. Almost a third round, but I think their thought was we don't have to play him right away, and that's what we don't want to do is have to play him. We got the goat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but he's always been kind of a, a like a slow and steady wins the race guy. Whether it was high school where he didn't start, or at Florida when he was behind Felipe Franks for a while, and then when he got his chance, he ripped it, and that was kind of the mantra. Was like. Hey, let's we're bringing him in because we want him to eventually maybe be our starter, but we're not. We know he's mm-hmm. not ready, and and the great thing is is that he can learn from the greatest of all time. And by the time he retires, and he ended up retiring twice, by the time he retires, then we'll turn to this guy, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll have something. You know, uh, yeah, he's not a first round pick, but it's it's still it, they still had a plan for him, mm-hmm. and that plan because Tom came back out of retirement was kind of delayed a year. And then, then they went out and got Baker Mayfield, who, who frankly beat him out. You know, um, if you want to call that a competition, I think frankly, the minute they signed Baker Mayfield, they knew he was going to be the starter, and he was. Um, but to to this point, yeah, Kyle hasn't been able to do it. So, so maybe that wasn't a great. If that was your plan for him to then become the starter, it hasn't mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and you know, but how low? Like if Penix well, went top of the third round, are you telling me that? You know, well, he wouldn't, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to see him in the lineup in two years. My point, no, my point is, and I don't, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's second or third or fourth round. To take a quarterback every year sounds like a good plan, right? Until you, until you have Because it's needs. the most important position. <laughs> well, but it's the most important position. But if you're taking a guy who you don't think can be a bona fide NFL starter, then it's a wasted pick. Now, I don't know what they. I assume they thought Kyle Trask had the potential to be a starter when they took him. To take him at the end of the second round, you in have time, to. You I have to. Believe, yeah, I don't mean. Yeah. I don't mean step in day one. I'm saying it was no guarantee. That was their hope. You know. You know, just taking a quarterback this year because Kyle Trask contracts up after this year, and you might need another backup is not a good reason to take a quarterback. If you think there's potential for the guy, you may miss, and, and, and it's, it looks like at this point that's what they've done with Kyle Trask. Although it's not to say he can not be a starter, he just hasn't beaten out Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield to this point. But you know, I, I think you can find linebackers in the third and fourth round that are serviceable and can play special teams in this, and and maybe they become starters. And you know, that's kind of third and fourth round may not be fair. Maybe fifth or sixth at that point. But with quarterbacks, like if you don't think they have it, don't just take one to take one. If that makes sense, and not saying I'm not saying the Bucks did that, but I don't think you go in going well every year we should take a quarterback, so let's take one. Yeah, well, they nobody does that, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I'm not a GM, so I'd probably be stupid if I did it. But I, I think if you don't have the guy and you're not sure of where he's coming from, there's a lot of avenues, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting is the two Super Bowls the Bucks won, they didn't win with guys they drafted. And in fact. I don't know other than Tom Brady that any quarterback is is you know kind of made it to another contract or whatnot like it just doesn't happen you know like um especially the guys they draft have never done that in the first rounders in particular and this whole franchise is steeped in history of failed first round draft picks at quarterback they've just never been able to get the right guy or develop him or whatever 
to where you could have them for more than four or five years. And the last one being Jameis Winston. So, um, you know, Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. He was a free agent. Tom Brady obviously, uh, you know, played 20 years in New England or whatever. So, you know, the, the, the success they've had as a franchise has not been with people they developed. So maybe you just say, screw it, we'll go get somebody else's, somebody else's quarterback um, because it seems to have worked for them. Uh, but I, but I do think that there is probably a heightened interest this year and and a lot of it depends on Baker. I mean, look, if you know, you got Baker for three years, there's not a, an incredible, I think it's more about the draft, Steve. I think you hit it on the head when we first started this talk is like, look, if this draft is what Arians and others are saying about the depth of, of talent at that position, well then, unless you have that position locked down, you'd be remiss not to address it in, in this draft. Well, here's the other thing too, is with so many quarterbacks available in this draft that people think have good potential. Mm. You know, it's curious what the free agent market's going to look like for quarterbacks. Right. Which happens before the draft. Right. And it also means if if there's a, enough of the quarterbacks in this draft, then how many veteran quarterbacks are going to be released come training camp or come OTAs in that? Because a lot of teams are going to take in rookie quarterbacks this year they're going to keep on their roster. Yep. And so, you know, whether they were starters or backups, but they're veteran, they're more veteran quarterbacks at this point. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a glut of that hit the market in May or and or August mm-hmm. after the draft. And so, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting how the the free agent quarterback market goes in March. It's going to it's I think that with so many draft picks that people like at the position it's probably going to dampen it. It's probably going to hurt mm-hmm. the the backup quarterback market in terms of what they can get in terms of salary and stuff. But there are a number of names out there still. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and teams will be looking at that, you know, and it was interesting because you mentioned like how Andrea Kramer, who's a friend of mine. And of course we've known her for years on HBO real sports, which is no longer in business, I'm afraid, but uh, she's on the NFL network. You see her all the time. She did a thing um, before the Super Bowl on CBS and, she she talked to Bruce Arians, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Young about quarterback, about the quarterback position, you know, in advance of, of what was happening in the Super Bowl and also the draft that's coming up. And she sort of asked them to sort of give what their thoughts are on the state of quarterbacking in the NFL right now because I think a record number of guys started games last year. It was over 60, maybe as high as 70-something quarterbacks, different quarterbacks played. And her simple question was, what does that say to you? And from Rodgers and, and some others, and I'll summarize here, they go that, that you know, the state of the position, of the quarterback position, is crappy, to use a euphemism. Um, and and then you get into all the whys about that. And we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast. But, you know, in, in Tom Brady, who I think is going to be phenomenal, he, he was on uh, his podcast the other day, I think he's going to be a really good broadcaster, by the way. And he started talking about the position, and he said, you know, and I never heard it explained quite this way, but he said, when, when, when the play call comes in, it's really not a play. It's, it's just a guess. That's all it is. Here's our best guess against what we think they're going to show you on defense. If we jump into this formation, if we go, you know, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, whatever we're doing, we think we're going to get it. So, we think this play will work against what we think they will give you on defense. That's all it is. And he goes, and, you know, the good quarterbacks, what am I going to do? So you you got a bunch of, you know, shallow crosses against cover two. 
I know when I go up to the line of scrimmage, if I run this play, it's not going to work against this defense. It's it's the wrong defense uh, for me to, to, to get a guy open. But if I'm young and inexperienced, right, and I, I don't have enough time in my mind or on the play clock to change the play and get us into the play that's going to work against his coverage, uh, short of calling timeout, he says, what you see today is they snap the ball, they drop back, nobody's open because it doesn't work against the coverage they're called. They take off and run for eight yards, and everybody says, wow, what a great play by that quarterback. What a dual threat. How nice is it to have a guy that can run? And he goes, but that's not playing the position. You know, that, that's not really helping your team um, because a lot of bad things can happen when you run. He goes, but that's sort of what quarterbacks have become. Uh, and a lot of it, and we've talked about this, is that, you know, they don't read defenses. They got giant cards on the sideline. They never huddle up. They, you know, guys, a lot of players, until they get to the league, haven't even spit out a play in a huddle. They haven't been in a huddle, right, much less talked it through and had to process things. I just think that the state of the game at that position, because you know, from high schools on up, they're getting the best athletes, and these guys are, you know, running around, and some are throwing. You know, some of them can throw, but they don't win from the pocket as much. Um, this is what you're getting, and it's not as good a quality of player as, as there used to be. And I sound like the old man. You know, in my day, all the quarterbacks were Dan Marino, but th- that was not true. But I do think there's something to be said for you know, what quality of player are you getting at that position in the NFL? And is that why a Patrick Mahomes stands out as much as he mm-hmm. does? I, I go back, and I know I've said this on this podcast before, but it was when Brady came to Tampa or shortly after, Bill Belichick was asked about Tom Brady mm-hmm. and what made him so good. And he said early in his career, and I, I, I couldn't tell you if it was before the first Super Bowl or right around that, but it was early in his career. Yeah, he said there was a play that was supposed to, you know, be a slant to the receiver on the right side, and it was third down and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Brady drops back and ends up throwing it to the left side to, you know, out of bounds. Uh, you know, fourth down, punt the ball, live to play another series. Mm-hmm. He comes to the sideline, and Bill Belichick says, "What happened?" And Brady says, "Well, the left tackle slipped, so then the edge rusher got around him, and then this receiver did this, and this happened, this, and the safety moved here, and, da, da, da. and he went through eight things." He said, <laughs> "In in two seconds." And so, and Belichick just goes, "Okay, you know, you know, go to the bench, whatever, you know." He's calling yeah. the defense, special teams, you know. Was, okay, yeah. you had a reason, you know, you gave me a reason. I said, right. I, "I go back after the game and I watch the tape, and all eight things that he told me happened happened in the exact order it happened in that one and a half two seconds." Wow. And so Brady, instead of throwing kind of the process. ball there, ended up throwing the ball to the left and throw it out of bounds, and mm-hmm. let's move on to another day. Wow! And that's what elite quarterbacking is. Like it's he, processing information. Mm-hmm. It's how quickly you can process it and get the mm-hmm. ball on time to the right guy. And it's the ultimate team sport where. The left tackle slipping started the whole process of well now this oh, yeah. now the the edge rusher got further than he was supposed to get on this play or than I think he's going to get by this point when I need to be at this point in my drop back and I don't remember all the specifics but it was boom 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 and it was eight of them I remember he said and you know sure enough when he told the coach come out the side that's exactly what happened and, and you mentioned the other day there was a play and and, and Tony Romo may have, have said mm-hmm. what happened but like Brock Purdy had a guy open but for they had a they had a breakdown and he had to throw the ball a little too soon. Well, no, he was he had he had the guy he wanted one on one coverage on the right, but he didn't have his protection right. And instead of changing uh, the protection to keep the matchup, he called timeout. 
Oh, I see. So he had the player open, and mm-hmm. then he didn't. He, didn't he, he had a guy isolated one on one that matchup yeah. you like. I think it was McCaffrey, if I recall. Mm-hmm. You know, but it could have been somebody else. But he had a matchup. No, that you, I think that you it really was liked. McCaffrey yeah. on a linebacker or a yeah. safety. Yeah. yeah, you really liked, and and he panicked and called timeout instead of let me change the protection here. And you got five seconds. It was six seconds or something. You have time to change yeah. the protection at that point, right? To keep that matchup you want. Yeah, young guy mm-hmm. trying to process things in real time and and missed an opportunity, you know, to hit the hot and and make a big play. So, yeah, that's and that's you know, it it's such it's the hardest to me. I don't know, and maybe it's more instinctive than thinking, but like hockey goaltender and NFL quarterback to me are the two hardest positions to play at the major league or NFL or NHL rec, uh, level. I I just think, you know, and, and quarterbacking is, you know, kind of a lost art. I mean, we've, we've, we've lost a lot of good quarterbacks over the last dozen years or so, or even less than that. And now you, you see Mahomes is head and shoulders above anybody out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, maybe some guys will emerge. You know, maybe Josh Allen gets there. Yeah. We see his skill set, but he hasn't taken his team, you know, uh, to a Super Bowl yet. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow certainly has that ability, yeah. and he has taken his team to a Super Bowl. He I think Trevor Lawrence healthy. has a chance. Trevor Lawrence has a chance. There, I mean, there's some dudes, you know. I mean, I, even Tua Tungvaloa at times mm-hmm. looks like that guy, right? I'll be curious um, if Justin Herbert can take another step under Jim yeah, Harbaugh. Yeah, with, with, well, with Harbaugh, I think he'll be terrific. Yeah, I think, I think Jim will get the most out of him, and I think Jim's going to have a running game and some physicality that's mm-hmm. going help, to help the Chargers and help him. Um, because he's an absolute stud. So there's C- young CJ guys. Stroud looks like he could be one. Yeah, absolutely. CJ had an unbelievable rookie year, and it didn't look too big to him, for him. And he read things out very well, and he got the mm-hmm. ball out of his hands. So maybe it's not as dire. Um, we'll have to see. But but for right now, you know, I think we're in a lull. I am curious to see how these young quarterbacks we just all mentioned, um, how they do progress. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Mahomes is by far the king right now. And, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this year. I mean, he did it with less talent this year. Oh, it was more impressive than any mm-hmm. year he's had. In my, and he said that, too. He goes, mm-hmm. I, I think this one means the most to me because of where we came from, mm-hmm. you know, because of what we had on this team. Look, and I'm not going to try to knock this guy. You know, he was my neighbor. But Donovan Smith was terrible in this game. They won a Super Bowl with Donovan Smith at left tackle. Gave up, I think, two sacks and another pressure and had a holding penalty like you know, what you would have expected when Donovan Smith left here. He also has another ring, you know, because Mahomes was able to live with that somehow because he processes things so quickly mm-hmm. and he can make plays anyway. Uh, that was not a great offensive line. They didn't have a lot of weapons around him outside of Kelsey. Uh, you know, the receiver or two uh, would make an occasional play. I mean, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, cer- certainly, you know, guy we're familiar with uh, here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Justin Watson who you know was like on the practice squad at one point in Tampa Bay has has made some big catches for them but they don't have any Tyree kills out there anymore and for for what Mahomes was able to do I think Steve you went eight of his last eight passing he had a run for about 25 or 26 yards through a touchdown I mean that last drive was and I don't have the stat in front of me but it was it was as if you take all those things together the eight of eight the number of yards he passed for uh, the big chunk run that he had, and the touchdown. No one has done that, I think, in the playoffs 
uh, or regular season on a final drive in some time or, or yeah, if at I, all. It may I mean, have been, yeah, it was eight eight for eight or better and 27 yards rushing or more. I don't think it's ever been done before. You know, yeah, which is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, in, in overtime, in a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you put together something that hasn't been done and you did it on the biggest stage in the biggest moment and won your third Lombardi trophy. That is something no one else can touch right now in the game. Um and maybe those guys we talked about will get there, but they're not there yet, you know. And I think I think Mahomes is right when he said, "Hey, we're just getting started." You know, I I do I I believe that this Kansas City team is going to get better because they they've had to gone through some. I don't know what their salary cap situation is, and you know, and all of that, or who they can draft, and, and obviously you're going to be picking last in each round. Um, but there's still plenty of talent, and if that guy is under center, you got a chance every single year. And he's still only 28 years old. So, you know, before it's all said and done, maybe he will run Brady down. It's going to be a hard ask. But uh, he certainly is knocking on Joe Montana's door, you know, depending on, you know, who you like in, in that. If, you, if you're going to just look at rings and things. I think Bradshaw, you know, he won four. But the first two, uh, it was really they were waving those terrible towels for the defense, not for the offense. Uh, you know, and, and he didn't have as big a role. The next two years they did because they changed the rules were – because of Jack Tatum, you couldn't hold, you know, bump guys after five yards, and it became it became a, uh, uh, you know, more of a passing situation. But yeah, to me, uh, Brady obviously number one. I still think Montana is number two in my book, and and then I'll, I'll give it to Mahomes at three right now. Well, number three at this point, that's huge. Yeah, he's twenty eight. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't really argue with it. I mean. You know, everybody has a flair. I mean, you're talking about, you know, and, and, and it's not fair to just judge on, on Super Bowls, but, like, you're saying he's better than Dan Marino. You're saying he's better than John Elway. Like, those are names that, whoa, you know, in some people's houses are like, uh-uh, that's the best quarterback I ever saw, you know. And and you get it, Johnny Unitas, right? Mm-hmm. Guys like that. Like, th- those are – and it's hard to compare eras because of the, you know, the, the style of play, the rules, and and just all of that, right? Um, but that's what we do, and I think there's always recency bias and stuff like that. Uh, but I no, I think Mahomes is that good, and he proved it this year because he did it when nothing mm-hmm. was perfect. Absolutely nothing well, was perfect. And I think he's shown he's head and shoulders above everybody else in his generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's part of the when you when you factor in the greatest of all time discussions or who's better, especially when you go across generations in that where the play is different and, and you yeah. know, everything about it's different is yeah how dominant were you compared to everybody else it's a good point in your yeah. era and, you know that's one of the reasons i think barry bonds may be the greatest baseball player i mean babe ruth probably is barry bonds maybe second because mm-hmm. who came who was even close to him in his generation right you know you look at his career in that i mean babe ruth was so far ahead of everybody because nobody hit home runs and he did yeah but you know, when you look at Mahomes and the quarterbacks around him, I mean, Josh Allen's good, Lamar Jackson's good, Joe Burrow's good, but I mean, he has shown he is head and shoulders above them at this point. Absolutely. And no. you know, Tom Brady, while he competed with the Aaron Rodgers and 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 Peyton Mannings and Eli's and that, I mean, although Eli did beat him twice in the Super Bowl, but you know, his career, you look at it, he showed he was by far the best quarterback of that group as far as winning oh, yeah. championships and. Yeah. And, and getting there and mm-hmm. you know i mean i that's i kind of look at that when you start taking in the greatest you know the de- debate of you know where you rank 
Yeah, how you compare the Euros and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Super Bowls matter. I think they matter with quarterbacks. They don't matter with everybody else, but I think with quarterbacks, just like with Peyton Manning for years and years, and I used to have this discussion with Tom mm-hmm. Jones, and Tom would always say, no, I can't put him in the greatest, well, among the greatest of all time. He's not in my top five. He may not even be in my top ten. I said, come on. Come on. Not in your top ten. Are you kidding me? I, I, I know what I see. I see Peyton Manning. He's got one Super Bowl. Well, and this is kind of a, a Lombardi bias, but like then he goes to Denver and he throws 50 touchdowns or something like that. But then the next year, you know, the, the neck is still a problem and, and, and his arm is getting weaker and all this. And he winds up winning a Super Bowl, but he's, he's a passenger. The, the defense is the thing, you know, and they beat the hell out of Carolina and he goes three of 13 on third down, but he's got a ring. And then all of a sudden Tom says, okay, now you can put him in the, the best of all time. I'm like, wait a minute. So he goes three of thirteen on third down, but now that he has a second ring, he's in a different. Yep, in my book, he is. Yep, he's better than Elway, or he's you know, he's as good or better than Elway. He's better than Marino. He's better than all these guys that only have one ring. Uh, that's kind of the way he wanted to look at it. So to each his own. All right, we got one mailbag question that kind of relates to this. We'll, we'll get to that here in just a second because it, it it does discuss uh, the Chiefs and, and what we just saw. I uh, want to remind you guys, though, that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. Now they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors. They've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years... May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, your electrical equipment replacement is all covered. Now, Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It's owned by the homeowner with no deductions or additional fees. And this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. It's not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May Electric Solar's reputation in history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, we have one more question that uh, kind of is on, on topic a little bit. Michael tweeted us. He says, is it more remarkable now that the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the middle of their Super Bowl dynasty? You know, I do. I think it is. I, I think when they look back and, you know, you're comparing uh, Patrick Mahomes to the GOAT, um, to Tom Brady, well, that's who he lost the Super Bowl to, you know. And they had it wasn't their first. You know, they had already beaten the San Francisco 49ers the year before in Miami. So they were trying to go back to back then. And, you know, it hadn't happened until the other day for like 20 years. And I remember, you know, that team was really explosive. In fact, they came into Tampa Bay. That's when uh, Tyreek Hill went off and and had, you know, three touchdowns. I think he had over 200 yards in the first quarter. Uh, Todd Bowles was, you know, unbelievably trying to 
you know, play press man against these guys and not played zone and cover two and all that. Um, and, and so for the way they played, now it wound up being a three-point game on the scoreboard, probably when they as close as that during the regular season. Then when they saw them again in the Super Bowl, the Bucks were able to flip the script, especially on defense. They rushed four guys like JPP and Damacon Sue got home with, uh, you know, Shaq Barrett. And, um, you know, it was, it was really something to watch. Uh, and, and so they were able to play. Then they went to a, you know, cover two situation and they really frustrated Mahomes and, and Hill and everybody. Although Mahomes still you know, he ran for almost 500 yards around the field. They tracked him, uh, as far as that goes, GPS wise, but, um, he made the damnedest throws and one hit, you know, Tyree kill in the face mask that he could have caught for a touchdown. And, you know, he's thrown from odd angles and stuff, but they did not allow a single touchdown, which is remarkable against, against that, uh, Mahomes offense. They were prolific scores that year. Uh, and nobody thought that they could keep them out of the end zone and they did. So, you know, having won a Super Bowl, gotten back the next year, playing well. Now their offensive line wasn't good. You know, and, and I don't think it's much better now. Uh, but a lot of those guys, because of injuries or whatnot, were not starters at the beginning of the year. And the Bucks, you know, just rushed forward and played coverage all day, and they were able to get home. So the offensive line wasn't good, uh, but Mahomes had had a terrific year. And I think, you know, to me, even though the game was at Raymond James, I, I kind of went into it thinking, you know what? These guys are defending champions, and they've been in this game most recently. Even though Tom has been in a million of them, uh, it just felt different, but man, the Bucks went out there and handled their business, especially on defense. And I do think it was an impressive win because I think that was a really good Chiefs team. Um, and maybe you know, maybe the offensive line is marginally better this year, but not much better. I mean, Donovan Smith didn't play particularly well; he gave up a bunch of pressures and sacks and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, and that's you know, that's the second of four Super Bowls that they have been to since 2019 I, I think you gotta give the bucks a lot of credit for and that was a really talented bucks team in fact i think I'm trying to think who said this on air it would surprise you i can't remember but it was it was an nfl player may have played for the chiefs it wasn't kelsey it could have been somebody like that that said oh man that tampa bay team that we lost to, you know, in the Super Bowl was maybe the most talented team I've ever played against. And, you know, just in terms of like, you look at the names on there and you go, okay, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, right? Chris Godwin, uh, Leonard Fournette. Like, you know, there were a lot of dudes, Rob Gronkowski. There's a lot of dudes on that team that played a lot of football and a lot of postseasons, and they put it all together when they needed to going on the road and winning all those games. But yeah, uh, good question. I, I, I do think they get credit for it. And, you know, hey, uh, you know, some other team has to start showing up in the Super Bowl again. I don't know if it'd be Tampa Bay, but uh, this is this is some kind of run, which I don't I don't think it's it's going to stop. I, I think Kansas City. If you look at that division, maybe the Chargers get better. I don't know that the Raiders are going to get better anytime past. I don't know what Denver's going to do with Sean Payton. Um, they they could dominate that division for some time. Hey, that's all the time we have for uh, today for the mailback question. We'll get to a bunch of them tomorrow. If you guys want to send them in, uh, you can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Going to be over at One Buck Place later today. One of the world's largest flag football tournaments is about to start here in Tampa, and it's also going to become an Olympic sport. And there's some a panel discussion uh, this afternoon, later this afternoon, 
Uh, it includes Troy Vincent from the NFL that we'll be into, so we'll see what's going on over there. And baseball, Steve Verstick is just around the corner. I'm reading Mark Tompkins on Sunday. I'm fired up. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day tomorrow. Absolutely. Oh, so, man, is it Valentine's Day? Yeah, I got so, nothing. Yeah, yeah you, got, you got 24 hours. Or, well, that's you know, not 36, good. maybe, depending on what time I'm you that listen. guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah. And the Lightning uh, back in action tonight. They'll wrap up their four-game road trip in Boston. Yeah, big one uh, mm-hmm. against the Bruins. Chance to get two more points on this road trip, which would yeah. be four. And Bruins are coming that. off maybe their worst game of the season, their first uh, shutout loss of the season. It was at home. Uh, they had a uh, lengthy practice on Monday. I don't think coaches was very happy. <laughs> so we'll see how they well, respond. Well, yeah, and the Lightning need to keep it going because uh, they had that you know great finish to the first half before the All-Star mm-hmm. break, and then they stubbed their toe and lost a couple, and then now uh, two points in this last game. So against Columbus, if they can come home with a point or two, uh, that would certainly be great. They might they, see uh, the return of Tanner Janot tonight too. So they had that hoped that he would play on this road trip. He's with them. This was the last game of the road trip, so there you go. Uh, no announcement yet, but hopefully he'll play tonight. If not, then maybe you see him Thursday or Saturday. Alrighty, we'll look forward to that. All right, thanks for listening. As always, for Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody.